welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, Jess shares her powerful journey from shameful masturbation to relationship anarchy liberation and queering love. Together we talk about the ontological shift of leaving religion, the divine intervention of dating a kinky person, losing your virginity twice, and ABCD anal. Y'all, this episode, if you have experienced spiritual trauma, big warning here that this might be a really difficult conversation to listen to. Jess and I really get into some of the nitty gritty of the painful, lasting effects and things that we've had to work through from our experience growing up in fundamental religions. And so if you have had a similar experience, I just want to give you that warning that this might bring up a lot of emotions for you, as it did for me, right? And I'm sure just as well, we kind of talk about that. And at the same time, I also found, at least for me personally, this conversation very healing. It feels so, ooh, it feels so good to be seen in the level of experience that you've had to know that someone else out there knows that pain, knows that experience, knows all of that. Uh, I mean, no one can ever really know, right? Because we're all in our own experience of this world and no one has actually walked the specific steps that you have walked, but there are some humans out there who know a little bit more than others and that is definitely what happened in this conversation with Jess where we kind of found a connection in the pain that we shared together and I hope any of you listeners out there who have had maybe similar experiences, find some sort of healing in this conversation as well. And I mean, beyond that, we also get into some fun, fun anarchy conversations about what it means to love other people, what it means to have sex. Y'all, if you have been listening to the podcast, you know that these are some of my favorite conversations to dive into, to create new language for, and to create new paradigms of how we understand relationships and connections. So this is a lovely episode with Jess. It really meant a lot for me in terms of my own healing from religious trauma and looking to the future of where we are going as a society with relationship anarchy. So y'all, I hope you enjoy today's episode and tune in. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, there's no rules, no specific direction that we have to go in. Do you have any questions or yeah, what questions do you have for me before we start? I mean, that was my yesterday. I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? And I like looked back at things and was like, oh, there's no, you know, because some people are like, I want to ask you these 10 questions and how do you feel about that? And I was like, oh, this just gets to be a conversation. Like that's that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's more fun that way. And then it like, you never really know where the conversation's going to go. So it's like such a 
co-collaborative thing that I always really enjoy getting to do with other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so no, no questions. Okay. <laughs> cool. 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 Um, and then also as part of the conversation, also feel free to ask me questions as well. It starts to feel like it's too much like on you feel free to direct it back to me so don't feel like it has to just be an interview okay tell me your deepest darkest feelings <sighs> well you know <laughs> yeah. i'm all for it you know i'm all for that so then yeah is there anywhere you would like to start the conversation with i honestly don't know like i was you know carlene i was like thanks for the rest you know and and they were like, well, you, she mentioned something about like church and you're my church person. And I was oh. like, all right, maybe we'll just jump right into that. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that's, I've always want to talk about that. I always want to talk about masturbation and pleasure. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Up for everything. Okay. So you are sure 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 so you are the church person what does that mean that means within the community like i'm in portland oregon um in the states and within the community here i'm the person that does this work who grew up evangelical mm. um and so when folks are coming in with that particular like extra need for support because it is such a different flavor and depth of shame absolutely <laughs> I get asked questions or sent clients because I think when you haven't been around that indoctrinated experience it's mm -hmm. very foreign and mm -hmm. people don't quite understand like how stuck things get yes in the body so yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely yes as someone who has had a similar experience i can definitely resonate with that indoctrinated worldview and how of how pervasive that ideology is to your whole experience especially with sexuality mm -hmm. yeah yeah could you tell me then if you'd be willing to more about your own journey with the evangelical church and your own path mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so I it's it's really interesting because I like I grew up in the Methodist church which is fairly like liturgical and service-based and you know what have you definitely got sent to or invited to one of those like pledge yourself to wait until marriage kind of things and I think that was mostly just because the youth pastor thought that that's what she should do with the youth group and not necessarily like there wasn't a big like energy behind that in the church and then when I went to college I got hooked up with one of the campus ministry programs which was a very evangelical like we're going to pray for people to be saved and what is your testimony and I was like I don't know what a testimony is mm -hmm. like, you know because before then it's just like well like God created us and we love him you know and then this is like, oh, well, no, you're bad. And you have to ask <laughs> to be saved. Yeah. It, it's far enough away now that I'm like, these words just sound so weird and fucked up. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and like, 
I also don't always get to talk to somebody who has the same, you know, mm. background where it's like, I don't have to explain what that word means. Yeah. In any event. So like went to college and got more like evangelical. I had friends. I mean, it was the I kiss dating goodbye. Like, oh, wow. Yep. Nicole. So all of my friends were courting. Some mm. of them weren't even like kissing or laying next to each other pre-marriage because that, you know, could slide you down the terrible slope into sinning and apparently the only unforgivable sin is sex mm-hmm. or the one that like everyone gets shamed for yeah is sex mm-hmm. um and so like all of that is happening at the same time I found masturbation and was like oh this is amazing and I can't tell anybody about it (sighs) because I'm not supposed to be doing this I'm not supposed to be sexual and so like had a massive cycle for I guess what's almost 18 years old to 24 so six years of just like doing this thing that feels really good and joyful in my body I'm praying for forgiveness doing this like and mm-hmm. I can't tell anybody about it. And I'm, you know, kind of stuck in this. Mm. Just like, I guess I'm going to do this thing again that disconnects me from God and then ask to be reconnected. <laughs> it's just, it's bananas. It's, yeah. it's, it's fucking bananas. Yeah. So that's like, that was college. I think I had 12 weddings the summer after I graduated because everybody was ready to start fucking and that was the best way to do it. And to everyone's credit, thus far, I think everyone is still married, which is kind of amazing because that was almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I went to Chicago and did an inner city mission program, which there's a whole other set of things to unpack in that yeah I know that feeling (laughs) and while I was there like that's when things started to kind of be like I don't agree with this I don't you know lots of people are really against like folks being queer I don't agree with that folks with this you know and then I in that time also quote unquote lost my virginity twice because Mm. it was within the same friend group and so like didn't tell people the first time it happened so then the second time it happened that person thought that they had taken their virginity and then share that with your whole group no like no one was sharing this but like they were just like oh I like yeah yeah and I was like Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting okay <laughs> you know, okay like I don't know how to communicate this and then within my Christian friends like there was just a lot of shame in that a lot of feeling broken and then I finally like a few years after that left the church and moved back to the west coast and started my process of like what does it mean to be an adult at 25 and not like have any clue how to do any of this <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this stuff that should be so like you know I didn't get the opportunity to try things out as a teenager 
And so now I'm, you know, in my mid to late twenties, trying things out and then have the shame of being in my mid to late twenties and being like, yes, I don't know what an earth penis looks like. I don't know who I'm attracted to. I don't know how to go out on dates. Like, (laughs) am I clear? Mm. Yeah, I think I'm clear. Okay. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Um, Yes. You know? And so it's like this interesting, like, there was shame before because I was sexual and then there was shame after because I wasn't sexual enough. And yeah. Well, <sighs> yeah. That's the short version. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, the amount of my heart goes out to you significantly. I think, yeah, my heart goes out to you because there's so many aspects that I have similarly gone through. So like I can feel at least I'm assuming the weight of those transitions you know when you say you come out of that and you ask you know what am I supposed to do in this world at least for me it was such a radical thing when your whole life was centered around God every single decision every single decision (laughs) and thought was in the concept of how is this honoring God how is this furthering the kingdom to stop that and to actually construct a life free of that is radically scary. It was for me at least, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck my point is on this world then. Like, what? Am, where do I go? How do I find an ethical structure? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. And I get to choose. And yeah, oh, it was yeah. also interesting as I was coming out, I remember going to see a friend who, I mean, was still is married to a pastor is in ministry. And I was like trying to express like not wanting to go to church anymore and like being like, okay, so like we have teaching, like we ask God to live in us. So like that means that Jesus, God, Holy Spirit is living inside of me. Mm -hmm. So like doing things that make my heart and my body happy are honoring God because God lives here you know like just trying to like shift my theology or my understanding of divine into something that like actually works for my Mm. (laughs) my cosmos and like and maintain connection with people that I had significant relationship with and like she was kind of able to hold that space but many people were not and then when I decided to leave I was just like I'm putting my hands up in a big X. I was like, I can't deal with any, any of this. And so didn't do anything really spiritual for a long time because it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to leave your community. It's heartbreaking to like be rejected when you're questioning or you don't believe the things that your community believes anymore. Yeah. So it's a big protective measure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes and I can resonate with that so much it's it's almost triggering to be around those people and to hear their <laughs> thoughts right yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely mm-hmm. it's it's um at least for me as I started to pull myself out the way that they saw the world was so through that lens that it was hard to communicate about some ideas and I mean I still navigate this with my um sister and mom who are mormon right so like Mm -hmm. and and the ability to connect with those sorts of people that see the world through radically different lenses is so tricky yeah Mm -hmm. and i think what you're hitting on is such an important piece of like 
the difficulty of this experience of coming out of the church and the aspect of community that is so deeply tied into this you know those are your friends that you've had for years this is your family your friends and once you start to ideologically pull yourself out who do you have to go to after that when your whole community is still in that ideology yeah yeah or like (laughs) the thing that i learned because I'm, I'm a perfectionist and I'm also like a researcher. And so as I was coming out, I was like, all right, I need to learn everything about the sex. <laughs> right. So like got books and I, the first person I dated was very, very kinky. Like looking back, I was like, how, I mean, in my, in my worldview, it's like, oh, that was like a little like divine intervention. It's like, you get to date this person. Absolutely. Um, you know, so then I'm like, oh, this is what sex is. And then I would talk to my friends that I had that weren't Christian and they were just like yes. eyes wide open, mouths dropped, like uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, all right, maybe that's not I mean, I guess it was a lot of fun, but maybe that's not the sex. Mm. Or some of the sex, you know, so it's just it's a very it's been a very like wild ride of figuring out what is what is mine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is to be mine mm. yeah and I'm my heart breaks for the younger you that was discovering masturbation and the joy and the pleasure that we are all capable of having with self-love and the self-care that is masturbation and having to navigate with that this feels so good in my body this is healthy for my body from research Mm-hmm. And this is disconnecting me from God. Oh, like just navigating that is so, so painful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a bad person because mm. I do this thing, right? Like it, it's, I don't know, the being a teen and early 20 something in the early 2000s was very like, very, very anti-sex in the Christian circles and so it's like I could have done anything else but because I was being sexual like I was the worst Mm, yes Um, and so like that really like sits with me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that was also a time you know before the prevalence of the internet where you know kids nowadays can just google sex positive things and that's great like this is amazing so back in the early 2000s when purity culture was at its height and we didn't have connection (laughs) to other communities to learn that hey other people do this differently i mean you're so in you know a bubble really yeah absolutely yeah and everybody like i've learned i was actually just writing about visibility yesterday Mm -hmm. um for my my blogs but like I've learned in like the last five years that there were other people in that church community that were feeling similar to me, but because we were so afraid to share those things, or maybe some people did, but got shut down. Mm. I was like, oh, we actually like, we did have a little band of explorers (laughs) back Mm -hmm. then, but we were all just kind of swimming by ourselves. It was landlines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and snail mail right right um, right exactly 
So then here you are navigating in your own mind, I'm this bad person because I'm masturbating and feeling like you're the only person that's questioning this, which then, you know, within that evangelical worldview means that Satan, the devil potentially has a grip on you and that you're fighting the devil and his tendencies within you. And now you start to think that maybe you could, yeah, be having that sort of like demonic energy within yourself. I mean, this is really difficult things to be going through. I think some people don't really understand who haven't, kind of like what you said earlier, who haven't been in this dynamic when we say like, oh yeah, it it was shameful and I felt bad. It was like, no, like this is a cosmic level scale of bad of like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. Satan is affecting me and, and compelling me to do this. Yeah. And if I share it, like, does that mean the whole church is going to lay their hands on me and try to cast out this terrible thing that is happening? <laughs> and so, yeah, mm-hmm. the quiet, which then compartmentalizes your experience and fragments mm-hmm. it hmm yeah absolutely and the way that it your internal messages about your body the internal messages about what is good for you to do I mean that doesn't just drop once you leave the church you know yeah there, there's a lot as, uh, as, yeah go ahead have you talked to my therapist because we talk about this every week um as someone who's becoming a psychologist and had the similar journey it is my journey as well every single week right like that shit doesn't just go away yeah I have to do the right thing like if I don't do the right thing I'm going to be punished constant Mm. wow do you connect that to your perfectionism at all yeah I mean it's that's a familial like value that was passed down but it's also like to be a woman in the christian church like you have to at least seem perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and strive to be perfect Mm -hmm. yeah and then if every single decision you're making you're wondering is this in line with god's will talk about the mental processing that you're doing there so now you're looking at every single thought is this right is this right is this right and Mm -hmm. the amount of self-reflection you have to have and potentially can go to yeah a degree of anxiety perfectionist at least my own experience is what i've had with this um and specifically it's not even your actions the radical thing that i always thought about the evangelical church is that it comes to this point where it's also about your thoughts because thinking about murder is just as bad as doing murder in the eyes of the lord so when you even think bad thoughts now you're also a murderer in the eyes of the lord which puts you into this really wild cognitive spiral where like you're making these huge judgment calls about who you are as a person based on automatic thoughts that we can't necessarily control yeah But isn't that a great way to control a population of people? Yes. Boy, does it work. And it is a recipe for anxiety. Yeah. 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 Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we need to shake that off a little bit. I know, right? Exactly. (laughs) This is is also probably a conversation, too, for both of us of, like, breathing through that. Because, like, even having this conversation, I'm sure, at least for me, it's, it's, you know, activating to a level of degree to connect back to those emotions and to remember where we were and feel that it's, 
it's still something that yeah like you said shaking that off in your body yeah hmm and i'm thinking too about you had pledged yourself to marriage uh to waiting to have sex until marriage right at a young age Mm -hmm. and then to lose your virginity twice Mm -hmm. (laughs) which you laugh at i love (laughs) in yeah in retrospect it's like that's it's all such a big ball of fucked up but it was like it was true I lost I lost it twice I mean and then I like I don't know I like to talk about all the different virginities it's like well every time you kiss a new partner like that's the first time every time you try some you know Mm -hmm. and so it's fun to just kind of like take that and throw it on its head um but yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. lost it twice officially And how was that experience for you? Um, it was very deeply shame-filled. Both times involved a lot of alcohol because mm-hmm. that's what I like. One, you're in your 20s and oftentimes that's just culturally what we're doing. And But it also was like, oh, you know, looking back, it's like, oh, I can blame that on the fact that I was drunk. I didn't actually choose that. And it's like, well, (laughs) you really wanted it. Like, and in particular with one of the people, I really wanted it with one of the, one of the people. And so it's like, Mm. you know, but there, there was no way to, with integrity, want it within my system of belief. Right, Um, right. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense. So, you know, if there's a lubricant of alcohol to say, this is why it happened, then we don't have to deal with the fact that wanting sex doesn't fit into the paradigm of thought that we're at at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like getting drunk is a, is a better, better sin. What's the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Not as bad of a sin as choosing to have sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the, in the hierarchy of cultural sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And then, you know, after that it was like, well, I've broken this for my future. At this point it was husband. You know, and then as I was progressing through, I was like, do I really even want to get married? Do I even only like men? Do I even like you know, and now I'm like, I'm solo polyamorous for the most part and probably won't, I mean, I might get married, who knows, but you know, like do whatever I want, I get to choose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the freedom that comes with that solo polyamory and all of that liberation is so beautiful especially coming from where you were before. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it resonated when you said that I had broken this for my future husband. Yeah. Yeah. And that like, that, I mean, that all still trickles down, right? Like even now it's like, oh, this, like this, does this pleasure get to be for me too? I mean, the answer is yes. And most of the time the answer is yes, but there's still times where I'm like, Oh, I should do this for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
do you want to do this for them? Yeah. The feeling of obligation, where's the where's the joyful consent in the center of that? Is there mm-hmm. joyful consent in the center of that? Mm-hmm. But the like the you're supposed to save this special thing for this maybe never existing person. <laughs> yep. Like and we're assuming that everybody is straight. Yep. And that because God is perfect, you're going to be able to understand how to be sexual once you have saved this thing that you've never practiced with the person that you've just entered into a sacred contract with. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of patriarchy and a lot of like procreation and the man is the head of the household and it's a recipe for a lot of disaster. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think about the, um, the man as the head of the household, exactly what you said, where it was, I remember this teaching that as a woman, my job was to serve my husband. Mm-hmm. And true, in turn, he was supposed to serve me in the way that Jesus serves the church. I hear it. I hear it. But Jesus is still above the church in a hierarchy structure. And in the same way, it was assumed that the male would be at the top in mm-hmm. terms of the power and the dynamics of who was making decisions and so yeah when it comes to sex it it becomes this this is what i give to my husband this is how i serve this is how i do that forgetting the whole aspect of female pleasure Mm -hmm. ownership over my sexuality consent so many pieces yeah and like even even if right that's what you choose and what you want like if you're attending to pleasure of both bodies, like the sex is going to be better. Oh, it's going to yeah. feel better for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's like, well, what, like, even in that capacity, like just teach people how their bodies work so that they can mm-hmm. enjoy what like mm-hmm. is a really beautiful thing. If it is like set up where both hearts are coming together in the same capacity. Right. It's not often true. <laughs> right, right, right. But it has like the capacity to be true. Yes. And that's where like I always try to sit where it's like, you know, waiting to have sex until marriage can be a beautiful thing, right? I'm all for that. Even um, abstinence can be a kink for many mm-hmm. people. And you can look at it in that lens where like I am waiting to engage in sex until I am married. And that is going to be something very special that is shared just between the two of us. I'm all for that. The second though, that you start to say that if you have sex with other people, you are damaged, you are used, you are somehow less worthy as a person and as a potential partner. That's where I start to say, this is not okay. Right? Like I, I understand the choice of keeping that exclusive, (laughs) but when we start to make judgment calls on our sense of worth, because of engaging in sex? No, 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 no. Mm-mm. Yeah. And is it like, am I choosing to be abstinent and until I'm married because that's what I want? Or is it because I don't want to be used or broken or dirty 
or discarded. Like, like right. that's not a choice, that's coercion. Thank you, yes. And so it's like, well, yeah. Right, 100%. That's the question too, of like, is this conscious? Is this something that you are freely choosing to engage in? And I think with, yeah, a lot of religious structures, the answer is no because of the power structure that enforces it upon you, which then says, yeah, if you do have sex, you are damaged and, you know, all these other pieces. So then you're right. It's not a fair, open, freely chosen decision here when it comes to that piece, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe believing in the religion is even that you can ask a deeper question of like, is it a freely chosen thing when it's what you were raised in, when it's what your community was, when you were given no other models, was that a freely chosen thing? At least that's what I experienced growing up in it, right? It wasn't like I was given, hey, Nicole, you can believe in God in this dynamic or you could not, both are equally good. That is not what I was given. I was told you believe in this or you're going to hell. I wouldn't say that's consent. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, it is not. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that's when this gets tricky. It's like, yeah, you know, like I always at least personally struggle with this, like a boundary of like respecting people's religious choices and the beauty that is spirituality and religion, but really, really having a hard time grappling with religious structures that aren't freely chosen and that do enact patriarchal notions of so many different things you know what I mean like we were talking about like the whole fucking thing that's that's where I go and like ah it's so hard to me to like respect religion and recognize that it has so many patriarchal influences in it that like can I be a feminist and even respect religions like that I don't know know. it's really tricky could you pull the right can you pull the patriarchal influence out of religion I think we do see some Christians doing that right and like modern Christianity who are like reinterpreting the text having different understandings and implying you know a modern understanding of you know all of these pieces into their notion of God and so like I do think it's possible but yeah it's usually a very difficult line for me to walk here yeah and that like for me I'm like that's not the work that I'm here to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like I can hold spiritual space I can hold space for people who are in still yeah whether they want to be or not like in organized Christianity exploring their sexuality Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people who've left that are exploring their sexuality but I I yeah I don't have any desire to be in the mix of the folks who are trying to like I don't know like I think piece it maybe back together like Mm -hmm what I know of Jesus was that he looks a lot more like me than he looks like the church <laughs> and the communities that I run with and the way that I <laughs> live my life. But, you know, for me, there's too much, like that's trauma that I don't want to edge with at all. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. So when I hear spiritual music, like Christian music, it, it, it hits me in a way that is jarring and activating that is, mm-hmm. it's the trauma that is there at that core. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny thing about music. Uh, mm-hmm. My last few years of being a Christian, I would often wake up with a big, really raunchy hip hop in my head. <laughs> like, it's all the time. And this was like when I was in Chicago being a missionary. 
which uh it's just such a weird sentence to say I know, um, I know but like like that was happening and then like on the reverse like it happens to me I went to a really beautiful it was like an erotic I won't say erotic art but it was like all like plays or like musical acts mm-hmm. um so I was on this like with this one person show on like phone sex and I just was biking there and like all these hymns like started popping into my head and I was like this is very fascinating yeah. that you like used to do this thing and now you're doing this thing mm-hmm. why am I singing this hymn on the way like mm. right whatever let's mm-hmm. try to sing something else yeah yeah that unconscious is coming through wow yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like Mm. yeah yeah exactly which is what we've been talking about like how it sticks with you it's not like we get out of this web untouched like there's still so many pieces that were at least for me I was explaining this to some other people were like I would masturbate even outside of letting go of the church and all this sort of stuff but like be at home in my apartment by myself and masturbating under the sheets like what like I'm half there because I'm like yes I'm doing it but still like let's do this under the sheets because I'm feeling some level of shame in my own space in my own apartment like that stuff sticks with you just in case God is watching exactly exactly Exactly. (laughs) is that what it was like yeah Yeah. because that you know like I didn't even realize it until like looking back on it now where I was like yeah why was I it's like it's a full level of shame about mm-hmm. it yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I remember I equally had like a purity ring and did the whole the whole piece there I thought I was gonna wait till marriage and when I lost my virginity it was so incredibly painful like the actual moment itself in terms of the relationship was beautiful but afterwards processing the reality of what had happened I had like gone up into my bathroom and just sobbed uncontrollably on the floor because I knew that I was no longer worthy that I had just ruined my one shot at purity and that was it so I just cried uncontrollably yeah Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. yeah yeah because we just feel we feel broken like we're worthless and who's gonna want us now that I've done this yeah (laughs) that I've done this which is Mm -hmm. one of like the most beautiful things you can do with a body (laughs) exactly exactly I know I know I mean it's deep that runs so deep that I remember the uh the message of the rose did you ever hear that one where they there was a evangelical pastor who had the rose and he passes it all around and like the petals fall off and then he was like when you have sex with all these people you're like the rose and you lose all of your petals and they're like who would want this rose who and that's what i felt i felt like i was no longer worthy and yeah no one was going to want to be with me yeah yeah and that's why not everybody understands what it's like to work with folks that come from our backgrounds <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes 
Yes, because this isn't, this wasn't, at least for me, and I don't know about you, but this wasn't just a part of our life. It was our whole life. And the way that we understood ourselves in the world and in relationship to other people was all centered on this ideology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether or not, like, you get to spend eternity with God or not. Exactly. (laughs) Because the or not, let's be very clear, is teeth gnashing at your skin with fire like i remember the verses in revelations they were very serious that like people are going to be gnawing at your skin while you're burning alive in hell for the rest of our eternity that's what the not god option is yeah which also like respecting religion if we took that same exact paradigm into another religious context that maybe wasn't christianity and i said i've started this religion where i believe in this dragon And if you believe in the dragon, you'll spend eternity with the dragon. And if you don't, you'll exist in fire with people eating at your skin for the rest of your life. And I started telling this message to children. I wonder, I'm not going to say anything, but I do wonder if people would ask if that's abuse to be telling people this idea, this structure, where that's the sort of dichotomy options you've got. Yeah. You know? I think sometimes we forget, like it, Christianity has been so normalized because of the history and all of this other pieces that like, if we took it out of that context and said word for word, the ideology that we're putting in another context, I think it's more clear of like, what sort of potential emotional abuse we're imparting on people with this. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I know. Then the beauty of that journey being like you and I both grow through something like that and then come out of the other side of it because you said you're a researcher, you know, here I am becoming a sex and relationship psychologist doing the same thing of like, well, I went through this radical trauma. I guess I'm going to study the hell out of it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So dig into that shit. Exactly. Thanks, Christianity. Love that. You prepped me for a good career. uh yeah and now you said that you identify as solo poly yeah I like sometimes I'm like I'm a relationship anarchist and then other times I'm solo poly and I like it just really usually depends on like do I want to have this conversation with the person (laughs) I'm talking to yes can I ask you to have that conversation as someone who's writing their dissertation on relationship anarchy? Uh, yes, absolutely. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. What's the dichotomy there? It's that like people, when you say the word anarchy, clench. And so that's the then I'm like, well, whatever I tell you after this, you're already like pulled in and not open. And then polyamory even though like solo polyamory is like you are kind of your own primary and you have a lot. I don't want to say that people in other dynamics don't have a lot of autonomy, but like there's more space to be autonomous or for like, for me coming from the history that I do, I'm way less likely to fall into (laughs) submissive patterns that I don't want to be in. (laughs) This is probably the best way to put that. And so 
like I'll use that as a, like oh people kind of know what solo polyamory is but really like for me it's like relationship anarchy is like I'm in love with a lot of things like mm. there are plants and animals that I have significant relationships with my friends are just as important as the people that I fuck who are also my friends but they're just the ones that I do that thing with versus mm -hmm. crochet with or you know like and just kind of breaking I think breaking down hierarchy and querying love is really important to me <laughs> yes and so like I you know semi-jokingly started calling my garden my girlfriend I'm like no actually like actually my garden is my girlfriend like I hold hands with my raspberries and I like kiss my current bush and I like it is a significant relationship mm -hmm. and it's reciprocal and you know and so yeah I don't know that's my when people can hold that <laughs> I like to share and then when you know when people like are just like oh well you broke up with that person so you're going to start seeing these other people more I'm like mm, I'm this is not a time for me to do free labor yes like, amen to that yes if you want to learn more about this please just like you're not you're not trying to meet me you're trying to like pigeonhole me or like and that's not what I'm, I'm not here to, to do that or mm -hmm. you can come to this workshop exactly <laughs> exactly talk about yeah. it here Mm-hmm. because it absolutely mm -hmm. is labor to explain that a lot of people even just that like solo polyamory relationship anarchy a lot of people don't know those terms at all so like yeah even having that discussion is a a act of labor to teach and to explain so i think it makes a ton of sense to have boundaries of like when we say these labels and when we don't and recognizing like the context of the situation it's almost it's code switching right mm -hmm. to a degree because of this identity and the lack of understanding of it of like when we say it and when we don't yeah and you know i've been good at code switching for a long time yes thank you christianity for that lovely skill <laughs> that one. you want me to walk into a church and talk to everybody and they'll understand what i'm saying i can do that yeah yeah it's real gross but i can mm. i can drop into that culture mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i loved what you said about relationship anarchy being like yeah taking off the hierarchy and seeing the value in all the relationships that you have and I think that's something that it's true when you say anarchy people freak out people do freak out it's part of why I named the show modern anarchy was because of relationship anarchy but I think at its core is this like idea of yeah love you have love for your friends your pets your family your garden all these different pieces and why do we have to say one love is more meaningful than the other or the more important to you in your life than the other mm -hmm. you I don't and when people say that they say that most of the time I'm like you're you're just bold-faced lying mm. like like your best friend is more important than your husband you just happen to be married to your husband mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or your sister is more important like and so I think also part of it feels like can we just like tell the truth? Like, can we tell the truth about the things? Absolutely. And I think even that can be tricky though, like telling the truth about things. I think some people do 
at least from my own experience of the world, like I fell into this space of like, no, my monogamous partner is everything, Jess. Like it, it is everything. It is the most important, like for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that world is kind of what contributes to marriages failing. This mm-hmm. world where we look at your monogamous partner as your whole community, which once was you know, built with religion, community structures, other sorts of stuff where you spent out that relational energy and to look at your partner as the one and only, which at least I've done in my past mm-hmm. um, and see it in that way is like, that's how it fails because you stop recognizing the importance of your friendship and how beautiful that is because the two of y'all are going to relate in different ways than the way that you relate to your primary partner, if that's what we're doing here, right? Like the way you relate with all these different people is unique. You cannot compare them. There is no comparison between the relations. You might have deeper levels of intimacy, right? Depending on the time that you've spent with this person, type of engagements that you do that mean intimacy for you. Like there's different levels to that, but the potential for meaning, I think, is what we have to focus on is like your friendships, if we use that label, right, whatever, are just as meaningful because they're a relationship you have with another human and can be just as meaningful as a sexual relationship, just as meaningful as a romantic relationship and all these different relationship structures you can take. Yeah. And then like, and then it also gives choice. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you're my girlfriend, so we have to do this. And it's like, well, you're my girlfriend, so like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be called my girlfriend? Mm-hmm. You know, one of my sweeties, they only use the word, I say sweetie, they only use the word friends. Like I'm, we are friends, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just like, that is how they navigate their like constellation of significant relationships. And then like other people are like, oh, you're my girlfriend. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're this. So you're, you're like, like, you get to show up however. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I love the word constellation. I was just, I think I'm just like in the thick of it because right before this, I was writing my dissertation. So I was like doing all oh, those yeah. sorts of research on all the <laughs> sorts of stuff, you know, like diving in. Um, and one of the vlogs I was reading about it had talked about it as like a constellation. And um, I use that word in my research too. And thinking about our systems in terms of orbits, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've got some comets that come around once a year you know we have a great relationship and i have some relationships that orbit around me more frequently and Mm -hmm. being able to you know like i'm not saying one planet is more important than the other but they have these different structures around when i see them and what how frequency and all that sort of stuff and i like i think as we find language for these types of relationship structures we're still like developing that right Something like, yeah, orbits, constellations. I like these words to describe our relational field, our relational community, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even just like, I don't know, I think a lot about the emotional, like, I don't want to say emotional intelligence, but that's the word, like, of within all of these different structures. It's like, well, with this friend, how do I communicate well so that we are showing up 
and meeting each other. And in this like romantic relationship, how do I communicate well so that we're meeting each other for like whatever needs and desires that particular connection has, which like we put a lot of emphasis culturally on like you do that with your spouse or future spouse. But like, what if we attend <laughs> to all of our relationships in that capacity? Because then it's like, oh, well, you like you're my friend that I like like to drink whiskey with and do yarn projects. And that is like a beautiful gift of shared experience and relationship. But then if it's like, oh, I'm having a really hard day and I need to tell you all these things and we haven't agreed to that. Like we're just here doing this like fun talking about Netflix and getting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tipsy. It's like, are you willing to hold that container? Is that where we're going with this? Like, let's check in about that. Right. And it, you know, it requires a lot more work, but there's a lot more clarity around like what we're. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emotional support. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's a, a resource energy that we're asking of other people to mm-hmm. give to us when we need emotional support and yes we give it back you know in other ways too but like yeah if if your relationship dynamic is more doesn't typically have that level of interaction then to ask for that i think it is important to ask for that right like that mm-hmm. is not a part of your dynamic like hey do you have the space to hold this conversation i know this isn't what we usually do i'd like to incorporate that and being able to have that kind of communication you're so right that like we only seem to put that amount of effort and focus into your spouse relationship where you might have those conversations of like how's our relationship doing do you feel seen i mean some people don't even do that and we I would highly recommend doing that, you know, like step one, but also like, I think it's very important to do that with your other relationships as well as like checking Mm -hmm. in, how are you feeling? How are you liking the dynamics? Like in those sorts of pieces to make sure there is that open line of communication. Yeah. 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 Or even like, do you like it when I hug you? Like, yeah, you know, cause we all, everybody comes from different touch experiences on their family and their culture and mm-hmm. 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 yeah yeah the one thing that always gets me too is uh emotional fidelity <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, that's something i've been writing about in my dissertation you know like this idea of um emotional cheating it's fascinating that's, that's a homophobic term because the second that you're queer you realize that oh no if i have an emotional relationship because you know i'm a cis woman if i have an emotional relationship with another cis woman that i potentially because i'm queer could be attracted to is that emotionally cheating now to my spouse you know quote unquote Mm -hmm. and then at that point you say oh shit then i can't have a, a relationship with anybody that's equally as important because it's going to threaten the emotional fidelity with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're in a straight marriage, of course you can have a best friend who's the same gender as you. And that's not emotional infidelity because you're mm-hmm. obviously not going to be attracted to that person. So it's fine. But it's, if you, if you get emotional support from another person of the quote unquote opposite gender, <laughs> then that's you having an emotional affair. Yeah. Yes. 
Absolutely. Like, I think if we could just have that idea infiltrate, we could have a better society of like normalizing intimacy, like, like keep the monogamy. Sure. But like allow yourself to have emotional intimacy with other people and that's okay. And that's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't have to, we can take anything from the ideas of polyamory, right? It doesn't have to threaten the beauty of your relationship that you have with that monogamous partner, if that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And even physical intimacy, like, yeah. I think if folks could get basic touch needs met elsewhere, the like intensity of sex needs in relationship would be much softer. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, at least as a cis woman that has cis woman friends, we tend to be more touchy. I've noticed, you know, like we're more like, oh, hug, kiss, you know, like, ah, you know, but then the idea of doing that with other cis non-binary people can kind of create this sort of like dichotomy where like yeah what does it mean Mm -hmm. for having this dynamic and I think this is where it gets really tricky and I don't even know how to have these conversations of to people who haven't had this level of reflection on the abilities to have physical intimacy having physical intimacy with them can actually they like mean so much more than what I'm meaning it to do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like if I were to go to and I'm also careful of saying like a cis het man and like what that means I know not everyone fits into that label box of like you know but like if you go to someone like that who is not thought about all this and I start to snuggle then that means that oh we're gonna kiss and have sex and like do all this sort of stuff There's like this slew of expectations because we haven't normalized physical intimacy in those interactions that like, yeah, just going into that sort of touch means A, B, C, D, and E, F, J, you know? So then it's so, this is where <laughs> yeah. I find trickiness. ABCD anal. Yeah. Yeah. ABCD anal. Maybe that'll be the title <laughs> of the episode. Um, because yes. And then, so I've been at least trying to do that work with my um, friends of like, hey, like I would like to have physical intimacy that's not necessarily sexual. Can we have that in our dynamic? Yeah. You know, and then it's like, oh, you're weird for asking that. But it's like, oh, no, that like, that opens up the possibility of that happening. And like your needs getting met, they're probably unthought of need. Yes. Has an opportunity to get met. Mm-hmm. And then that like, I don't know like the beautiful thing about that is like that then it starts to shift the culture of like oh snuggling can just be snuggling unless we've agreed that snuggling then means that I'm going to kiss you and then it means I'm going to do this and then like yes but it you know it's the yeah the physicality escalator that's exactly (laughs) what I was gonna say the relationship (laughs) escalator is what I was thinking of so yeah maybe it's like a yeah, a physicality escalator or an intimacy escalator because it's totally there too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we haven't deconstructed at least platonic touch to be in that. So I like that, physicality escalator. Absolutely, that's a great word. We're heading this Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. And like, can we slow down enough to have conversations to create relationships that work for, to meet your needs, to meet your, the other people's needs in your life 
that are unique to you so that you don't have to ride that escalator all the way to the top and you can find whatever step works for your dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That just made me think of like, I always love asking people and clients in particular, like, well, what do you mean by sex? Yeah. Yeah. What does sex mean to you? <laughs> Great question. Mm-hmm. Like, and then they'll be like, well, you know, like intimacy. I'm like, I would like to know like what parts of your body are doing what with other people and are there toys involved? Are there other people involved? Like I need to know the specifics because that's where like we get to start pulling it apart. Yes. I love that you're hitting on my dissertation. This is so, it feels so good for me because these are the ideas I've written down by myself in my own like research silo of like, yeah, what does it mean to cheat? What does it mean to cheat on someone? Right? Like, is that holding hands? Yeah. Is that snuggling to some people? Is that a kiss on the cheek? You know, in other cultures, that's super, that's a, that's a hello, you know, and flirting. Exactly. 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 And like, we'd say like, oh, that's cheating, you know, like, so I think all of that is wrapped under this umbrella of like sex, because like within Mm -hmm. the idea of monogamy, it's like, you only have sex with me. Okay. What does sex mean? Is snuggling a part of that umbrella for you? Yeah. And especially gets complicated when, yeah, you're talking about the pairing of like an opposite gender with that, right? There's the heteronormity, like all that sort of pieces coming in of like, mm-hmm. you know, this is why yes. I love queer de- like deconstruction theory. Like it just takes it all apart and you're like, oh yeah, none of this makes sense. Huh. None of it makes sense. Huh. Everything is a sham. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. then the beauty being that like, if we do take this time to construct it, more needs are going to be met. You have more space to create a relationship that meets what you need and what you want in your life. And that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's like everyone, everyone gets a disservice of like sex is penis and vagina. If we're lucky to orgasms, like, you know, it's like it, it, no one is no one is served by that because it's like well how many nerve endings do you have what are your emotional needs what are your actual desires what like is your energy what is you know your trauma Mm -hmm. history all of that like and bodies can do like they're fucking amazing like you can have orgasms without being touched yes you can like you can have really great sex without taking your clothes off um but it's like unless you're allowed to like I don't know like horse blinders even but like this be like it's not a whole box of crayons like it's literally like all the art supplies that ever existed are potential Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you can choose to be like I would like only red and yellow crayons and that's a great choice if you want to choose that or you can choose like a whole bunch of other shit. Exactly. Exactly. You can choose if you don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And look at all the beautiful colors you have in that box. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with red and yellow. Nothing wrong. But wow, there's a whole spectrum of colors. Like whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's paint, and then there's clay, and then there's you know, like <laughs> you're telling me there's a whole art world out there. <laughs> yeah. 
but yes there's like yeah there we go kink all the whole range of what sexuality can mean when we expand our ideas beyond yeah the penis vagina potentially orgasm right like Mm -hmm. like script hopefully orgasm exactly i know the orgasm gap just like if we could change one thing it would be that right changing that orgasm gap my god that would be yeah Mm -hmm. that and like getting rid of the word foreplay Mm, tell me (laughs) tell me your little manifesto on getting rid of the word foreplay i like it well foreplay for me is just sex right and it's like, oh, we, we've been sending like sweet and dirty texts all day. Like that is part of sex. We like glances, part of sex. I don't know. What's for, what is foreplay for straight people? Giving a massage. Let me tap into that. Fair, like, I massage a lot of my partners, but like, like that is all for me, like that's all sex. Because the, like, I really do want to have orgasms. I love having orgasms. But, like, for me, the whole point is, like, how much pleasure can this person and I engage in yeah. in the ways that our two bodies like to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and some people, like, I have some people where, like, it very much looks like missionary fucking. And it's great. Yeah. And then other people where it's like, did we take our clothes off? I don't remember. Like. Did we both have multiple orgasms? Yes, we did. So yes. like, is that not sex? Because like our genitals weren't touching outside of our clothes or maybe even not at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I mean, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, yes, but. <laughs> but it like, yeah, I just don't like the idea of like foreplay is the thing that you do before the sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. All of those, all of those things are yes yes literally the right yes I and yes I agree they are and like even the word itself for play before play wait what okay so you're telling me that what I'm doing here is not the actual play part of the equation like what are we creating and even that like word choice you know of saying like yeah this isn't the play part this is just the you know warm up or whatever it's like no this is the game like this is the play this is the whole thing Mm -hmm. and dare I say all those pieces that you do in that part should be incorporated throughout whatever ensemble that you're engaging whatever you know song you're creating with another (laughs) human and your bodies and your mind and experience it should be all we don't paint with just red and yellow you know what i mean like paint with the whole box people yeah yeah Yeah. all body parts Mm -hmm. and brain parts (laughs) and brain parts yeah yeah my one of my teachers today was doing a meditation I was like oh yeah I remember this conversation from a while back but like what like they said what are your like what are your genitals today because we had like in a previous conversation like for me the insight I'm I'm showing you as if people can see what I'm doing so I'm like touching in between my fingers where like the web of my fingers meet and like that when I'm turned on that feels as good as somebody touching my clit and so it's like well are my hands my genitals today? They might be. Is my vulva mm-hmm. and my eyeballs? Mm-hmm. Like, where is the center of pleasure? Yes. 
in your body right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as a queer person, you know, even giving pleasure with your fingers and are they the gender, you know, like they're, they're the, <clears throat> the giving of the, the act here. So then are, mm-hmm. you know, my hands, my genitals, you're my mouth. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of this to say queer deconstruction. <laughs> it's got a lot of questions out here, people. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah, expanding your erotic zones, expanding your ideas about sex. And I think when you start to do that, that's what turns me on, right? Like the idea of red and yellow is great, but that scares me for the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to just have red and yellow. Like, I don't know if I could, like a brownie is great. Like I love brownies. Amazing. If I ate a brownie every (laughs) single day for the rest of my life, I'd probably hate it. Throw in some ice cream, you know, like have a sundae, do all of it, mix it all together, you know? Maybe a chocolate chip cookie. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I want to hold a little bit of space here as we're coming into the end of our time. Is there anything that you felt like maybe we didn't hit on today that's still lingering for you? No, I mean, I just feel like I'm like, we could just sit here and talk forever. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm such a, I studied sociology and religion in undergrad. And so I'm very much like thesis statement bring back the conclusion also like <laughs> growing up in church like a sermon has a cadence and it has a like closure together and what is yeah. and I, I've realized I have a friend we're working on some really beautiful like undoing trauma with pleasure for folks with religious trauma beautiful. some workshops coming up and we like we both realized that we write content in the cadence of sermon uh yeah, like, uh, let's just go with it. Let's go with it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think just like sitting with what, like, with curiosity and like, what are your values and what, like, what do you want? Which, like, I say that, and that is the most terrifying question if you're coming from a background where you don't have to know what you want because you're told what you want and you do what you're told because that's how to be good and how to be holy but like yeah that like maybe like side eye that question (laughs) what do I want yes yes Um, feels really important Mm -hmm. or like what are my genitals what does happen when I rub my elbow on different things Mm -hmm. or my calf and mm-hmm. now curiosity yes i think inviting more curiosity to all of these things will yield a lot of lovely results for most people right like even i know we both grew up in that christian environment that did that but even if you didn't grow up in that you know just existing within our social conditioning and culture there's a lot of messages that tell you it's red and yellow crowns. There's a lot of messages that tell you monogamy is the only answer. There's so many other messages. So like mm-hmm. everyone has experienced that level of like, this is the one way to do it. And like taking a step back from that to see the full picture, to see your ability to craft your relationships and a life that is unique to whatever your needs and desires in this world. I think that's a good place to start. Bring more curiosity, ask lots of questions. 
Pause the question. Challenge the status quo, dare I say. <laughs> My own <The> Google. <laughs> yeah 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 oh well this has been lovely i do have a closing question that i ask everyone on the podcast all right Mm -hmm. i'm ready all right (laughs) and it is what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal oh yeah take your time i got some tea i think like i'm not gonna say everybody because i'm got like six placements in libra but (laughs) that almost everybody thinks that they're abnormal and a little bit weird and so like you being alone and being like I'm so weird and I'm so like I'm into this thing like this is the porn I watch this is the stuff I think about I dream of having 10 boyfriends like you're not alone (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are definitely 10 boyfriends out there that want to be one of 10 for you (laughs) yes yeah and so like the shame is constructed to keep you isolated and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's enough people on the planet that there's at least five other people that like the same thing oh yeah go on reddit baby like you will see like just google whatever you're into and you'll find a whole community i promise you you're not alone that's one of the many gifts i think of the internet age where they're like are other people into this thing? And then you like do a little quick Google search and you're like, oh, there's a whole community. Huh. There's a whole community. Yeah. Yep. I can pay to access that right now if I want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Absolutely. And the way that that sense of community disarmor shame, I think is so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and that is the Lord's work. It is. It is. I swear. I tell my mom all the time that I am closer to Jesus than most people. Like we are doing the Lord's work of like helping people heal, helping people yeah. feel comfortable in their bodies. Like this is God's work. Yeah. In my, yeah. In my understanding of God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this has been so much fun. Is there anywhere that you'd want to plug for people that are resonating with your message and want to connect more with you in the workshops you mentioned so i am on instagram at backslash beloved coaching so b-e-l-o-v-e-d yeah coaching spelling is hard when i'm not looking at things i feel that Um, same and then my website is the same belovedcoaching.net those are the two best i'm other places on the internet but like facebook and instagram or twitter or not i don't put a lot of energy there I feel that. I feel that I do. Oh, well, this has been so lovely. I loved yeah. all the different levels that we were able to connect on and shared experience. So it's very meaningful to me. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Carlene, for setting us up. Yes, thank you, Carlene. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the Anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.